Hi there, and welcome to Product Storyteller. My name is Stuart Noyce, and this very personal podcast follows my journey to find and advance sustainable innovation. From the origins of the internet to the future of crypto platforms, from Haas MBA classmates to Burning Man makers, I cover the ground where entrepreneurs and business leaders create new value with a wisdom that ensures our shared future. Warning, this show encourages free market capitalism by and for people who live in community with one another. It's old school. If you love it, give it a great review and subscribe on iTunes or elsewhere to catch every interview that's coming. And now, let's hear from my latest guest. It's the first week of November in 2019 now. Are you feeling anxious for the United States as we head into next year's presidential election? Are you worried that corporate interests seem to carry more weight in public forums than the voices of individuals? My next guest offers us an alternative. His name is Dan Genduso, and he is the architect and intellectual force behind Apollo 1, a binary polling system that supports democratic conversations. Dan cares deeply that each of us in a democracy should get one vote, and each of us should have the opportunity to be heard without persecution. I met Dan at Node, a shared workspace at 1011 Kearney Street in San Francisco. Node is a place that encourages conversations, some of which become public, like the podcast interviews I did with John Michael Scott for Blocks Nexus. What makes this conversation different is that last year Dan took the founder funding class that I teach at Node with Seth Goldstein. I've seen and heard the Apollo 1 story evolve over the past 12 months. It has always been a big concept, carefully considered. Now he has a clear plan for what comes first, and that is a community, a group of people who want their voice to be heard. With the election coming, Dan is asking for people to join Apollo One Nation and participate in a new form of dynamic democracy. Instead of big money harnessing social media to focus messages that benefit the few, this new community builds conversations upon a binary polling mechanism, which encourages people to participate through incentives to ask and answer poll questions. As people interact with each other, the community dives deeper and deeper into the nuances of each issue. We get to hear all sides and can come to better informed conclusions through community. In the following interview, you will get to learn more about Dan and Apollo 1. Do listen all the way through as Dan really gets into the details and makes an impassioned plea for participation. Afterwards, please go to www.apollo1nation.org, where Apollo 1 is spelled A-Pole-01, and sign up to participate in the community. This is an excellent opportunity to get involved, make a difference, and reduce your anxiety. Hi there, everyone. This is Stuart Noyce, and I'm here with Dan Genduso at Node Worldwide at 1011 Kearney Street here in San Francisco. Um, we're having a great conversation. I thought we better put this on the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, put this on a podcast form so we can send it out. And uh, Dan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and we'll get started. Yeah, my name's Dan Genduso. Uh, I, my company is called Apollo One, which is an incentivized polling network that builds self-sovereign self identity, kind of while curating communities around the answers to your poll results. So what problem were you trying to solve with Apollo One? Yeah, I th to me, one of the biggest issues I have in most communities is that I don't feel I have a voice that I'm being heard. I see issues that are being solved in the community. I see this in the, in the United States where all the issues that people are behind and they're solving are not issues that represent me as a person. So I wanted to create a new way for issues to kind of bubble up from the ground up so, so we felt more represented as people. Yeah, excellent. Now, what made you think that you were the right person to be developing this solution? 
Yeah, so I, I spent about a decade in, as a solution architect for, for large-scale systems, customer engagement systems, uh, dealing with things like CRM and knowledge management and digital asset management and campaign management. And actually all these things come into play when, it comes, when, they, when we're talking about ways to build out identity and to keep things private and secure. Okay, so what pro product have you developed so far? And you know, what's your expectation in terms of a value proposition around mm -hmm. Apollo 1? Yeah, so we've been, our, our primary focus at, as of yet has been on the mobile application, which is Apollo 1, which allows people to vote from their phone. It allows you to answer polls in a private and secure way from your mobile device while building an identity that is portable across all the communities you're a part of. Um, right now, I'm, at the same time, I'm trying to focus on building out Apollo 1 Nation, which is the larger community where people need to kind of exist so that they can start answering the polls. And so that is kind of more the community of people that are behind this product that want, that want to be involved and have their voices heard. And so my focus right now, my focus is on building that community while at the same time kind of trying to work towards developing this product that the community can use to engage. Okay. Um, how does how do you expect to make money with this uh, with this product? Is it like a mm -hmm. just a pure blockchain, or yeah. is it there's something going on? Here? Yeah, so I mean, it, it operates. It feels like a social network. It's a polling network, but it, instead of this typical way you're you're used to dealing with social networks, we are not. Do, it's not based on advertising. It's we're 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 paying you to answer polls, and we're taking one cent plus one percent on transactions. So we're actually competing as a money transmitter on the bottom of all the, of all the transactions going through the community. Um, everything that happens to you within the community, you know, once you get matched to experiences and you're spending money on that, um, it's irrelevant. We're just taking the bottom line percentage. Okay, and, and you know, what's your ability to execute here? How do you, uh, mm -hmm. how, what have you done so far and what are you expecting yeah. to do soon? <laughs> yeah, so it's taken a while to get this to the right point, uh, to get it out of my head and the vision and the UX that I felt is right. I think we, I started uh, a while back uh, and, and I've gone through several iterations and then I finally brought in a, a very experienced UX designer that I've worked with for several years in, in consulting and at very large tech companies. Um, and then I brought on tech, uh, two tech advisors that uh, on the blockchain side that are very highly respected in the space. So as a team, I think we have probably one of the strongest and most experienced teams in the blockchain space, to be honest. Uh, we're now looking to roll it out and start development of all the stories and uh, on top of the UX that we created. That's great. So, uh, and excellent that you have uh, built a team around you. Yeah. Um, we'll get back into the, uh, into the details of Apollo 1. Just but first, I, I want to take a, a short segue into uh, the experience that, and how I got to meet you. Uh -huh. um, so roughly a year ago, yep. um, you went through founder funding um, with me and with Seth Goldstein and several other people in the room. And uh, you got a chance to work through in our workshop some of the, the messaging, the story, and, and actually some of the idea around, around Apollo 1, trying uh -huh. to, for us to get an idea of how to sift through it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you know that experience for you yeah i would say coming from consulting i i was i'm used to building slide decks that detail solutions uh, um, that <laughs> are meant for people who understand the problem and 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 when you're working in at fortune 100 companies things like figuring out personalization and stuff is what is the top of mind for them like it's something you go into a meeting and everyone kind of knows what you're talking about i think coming outside of that environment after a decade, it, I would just, 
I wasn't quite ready for be, for having to explain things in a much different way and telling that story in a different way and building slides that just, you know, the average person who's not in tech can understand. Right. So it was a very <laughs> different way of storytelling, essentially. You know, um, it was completely right? different. It was my I had I, I didn't know how to make slides that way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There was a lot of text, I think, on your slide. Um, <laughs> So, w was there a particular takeaway though, and you know, did it, it did the class end up affecting not just the way you talked about your product, but maybe about the way you were thinking about it and how you went forward? Um, I think again, I think the most important takeaway for me was about simplifying and storytelling. I I think I was so focused on the solution. To me, I knew what I was solving. I and I wasn't. I wasn't able to actually tell that in a very concise way, and 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 I kept getting in the weeds of saying, "Oh, I'm going to solve this very specific problem," which is really downstream. It's it's kind of things that happen as a result, um, and so I was trying to explain too much. <laughs> right, right. I do remember the experience of, of trying to sort out all of the things that were going on. It seemed like a very big vision, which it is, that, which big. is a good idea, <laughs> which is good. I mean, you should have a big vision, right? Yeah. And you should have a you should have it well thought out. Um, it just, I think at the time we were trying to figure out, well, which part of it do we really need to hear first? <laughs> yeah, and it was the pro The funny thing about it is the product itself is not really that much different than it was that day. The UX is improved and different, uh, but it it's still has the same name because it is pull. It's a pull zero one. It's binary pulling. I mean, it's that simple of a product. It's just a matter of explaining it and not trying to explain everything it can do and just at the most simplest terms trying to trying to let people know like this is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think they for me the interesting part of this has always been there's a polling. It's zero or one. It's like swipe left or swipe right. It's probably the easiest thing possible. It's the easiest <laughs> thing possible. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. So now you're still here at Node a year later. Mm -hmm. um, what what keeps you here? Uh, I think it's the the community of people here is is good, is good and engaging. Um, and I think that's what keeps me coming back. Everyone's you know nice and and, and they're all working on different projects. I think um, if we talk about one thing that might be difficult and it's and it, this involves lots of communities, it's how do you activate those members to work together because everyone's kind of working in silos um, and. I think there's a lot of people who want to be working on a team or in a group, but like I, it's hard for me to get what I need out of the community sometimes. So I think something like polling actually helps to do that. So we might actually, uh, when you get this product up and running, um, we should use it here. Yes. Try it out. I, I believe that every community could use it. I, I guess I mentioned this to you before, but I believe that polling is the first act of building a community, including a nation. So. Uh, if any before you start building a community, you should give everyone the ability to tell you what they want. Right. So let's now let's uh, let's explore this a little bit because uh, uh, now I have maybe enough uh, knowledge of what you're doing to be dangerous. <laughs> but the thing that's uh, I think most interesting to me is what you said about community mm -hmm. and uh, and how it relates to a nation. Yes. So uh, the nation is a big idea. It's a big concept, right? And yeah. you know, the, when we talk about a nation, it's made up of multiple states. States are a big enough idea, right? Yes. But when, and then there are sort of regional areas within a state, and you get down to a few people here hanging out at Node, or you know, uh -huh. uh, another maybe a different shared workspace. 
uh, or a church group or a, you know a PTA group. I mean, there's just these little communities of people, yep. right? So tell me about what your your experience is with that, and and what's really driving you here. Yeah. So this is uh, so this is what this is what's behind the way I designed and developed or created this product is that whole idea that within that community simply incept inside each other, and there is no product that I've found that allows me to continually incept down to the point where it's just me and I am a community myself and then I and then I start to grow a community around myself that goes outwards into those communities and there is these products are flat they don't like this ability to continually create a sub community inside of a sub community doesn't really exist that's an interesting idea so in the in the um the challenge that we have running our nation mm-hmm. uh, is just a is an amplification of the problems we have just in a community itself. So, mm-hmm. uh, how does that idea of you know layers and layers of, of um, relationship mm-hmm. add up to decision making? Yeah. So I think I think decision a lot of problems can be have to be solved at the individual level or in small groups of communities. I think that's. Like even when you think of something like trash or recycling, like that has to start at the individual level. We can't just have it, just put it out as something for the larger community. So as we operate in these small communities, you start to establish trust and you start to establish kind of um, an economy that's kind of happening that's trusted in that community where you can start making decisions. And if it's not solved in that community, you can always bubble out to the bigger one to try and reach out to them for more help to solve the problem. Over time, it gets to become the largest community. But when we look at like the way that we're trying to solve issues today, we start with this large problem and then we try and solve it. And it doesn't work like that. We have to start solving it in these individual and small community levels. Yeah, so let's talk about solutions in this context. Uh-huh. Because if you're polling, you're really asking uh, us our opinion. But you have to, if it's going to be a zero one, it's binary, uh-huh. yep. then you have a very binary question, right? Uh-huh. How does that, I mean, it's, we can't, we're not, what if I have to say, look, I really want to say this. Well, so the same way that we create sub-communities, we create sub-polls or sub-issues. And so, like, this is a problem on LinkedIn when you go in and someone says they have this specific skill. It's a very high-level skill. It's something like project management is too broad for, you, for, me, for me to agree that you have that skill. We have to have the ability to continually break it down, and then eventually we can come to an agreement that you have these specific sub-skills underneath it. Um, but we don't have the solution that enables us to do that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's then examine maybe uh, kind of get into this product a little bit more uh-huh. and uh, and tell me then about what you're planning in this first round of product yeah so right now the big the, what I want to focus on within Apollo one nation which is the community side of this is I want to start breaking down those big issues um, and start creating sub issues that we can start pulling on as a community um, because I, I see that candidates are running on these issues, and I'm like, where do they come up with this stuff? Wait, so you're talking about the 2020 election, even? Yeah. You want, I, you want to get into this right away? Yes. I want, I want to roll this out starting January and put, uh, maybe even earlier and, and start leading up with accurate and qualified polling that, that leads up to the election to prove that this system works. Yeah, so that would be actually pretty amazing if we had accurate polling information that reflected the 
the population as opposed to maybe corporate or other interests, right? Yeah, and I think I think it makes sense for a candidate to align around issues that people surface as a, as opposed to trying to come up with them like himself or herself and say these are the issues I'm aligning with. It's like we'll we'll surface the issues and let's align with the candidate that best is, or the team of people that is best solving these issues. Interesting. So very clearly then. Um, surfacing is the element that's that's a value here is really of interest yeah. and so this information then who could have access to it is this something that we could all see by just going to a url um so we will uh, everyone that's operating in it so there's two parts to this the results of the polls will be are, are made immediately after the close of the poll so we have we don't have to wait to find out the results of a poll anymore and then th and we can break those down by by location and everything the second part that you're asking is but there is a this privacy and security is the most important part about this so your ability to share if you want to share your poll results with someone and let them know how you voted to influence them that's up to you right but it's this all starts as an anonymous sharing but at, at best we can have a, a full list of where people stand in society right so this uh how do you see this getting started in terms of uh, finding people to participate in the poll? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's twofold. I think that there's a groundswell approach that I'd like to take, which involves rolling this out on college campuses. I think blockchain communities on college campuses could be a, a good in to get them to try and get people involved in an election on the blockchain, uh, not, not election on the blockchain, but, uh, but being involved in a way around the election that involves blockchain. Uh, so maybe one of the candidates, one or more candidates could be picking this up and using I, it inside of their constituency? Uh, yeah, I could see someone, like this is built heavily on data rights. I could see someone, this would be a good platform for someone like Andrew Yang who has claimed to, to believe in that, to actually come and prove it and value and engage with a whole group of community who does, who agrees with that concept, who agrees with that you can have a, a universal basic income based on your data. Maybe he doesn't have that solution yet, but that is kind of our belief here. But perhaps it's time for us to have a conversation that leads in new directions. Yes. Right? I, th that's fair. Um, what, do, do Twitter and Facebook have any, uh, you know, representation in this? Do you have to be on those platforms to make this work? No, you don't. But I believe that there is a heavy, there, the ability to, sorry, there's an incentive for you to bring more people in and get them engaged. And I believe that these social communities are going to play a huge role in spreading that word and getting people engaged with this. Um, the one thing that we offer that's different than someone like Facebook is we verify identity so we don't have to deal with fake bots answering our polls. Uh, the identity. Where's this? Where's the identity coming from? Do I put in an email, or or are you having? Do you need to do a KYC that's yeah. a little more involved? Yeah. So we have the platform we're building on top of will will do the KYC side of things for us. Um, I, I think that's we get in a little bit of a tricky thing. I want to make sure that people get engaged early on, but at the same time, I I strongly believe that we need to ensure like the sanctity of our democracy and that we need to make sure that we are not, that, that, pe that people have one vote, it's one person, one vote. Sure, uh, let's talk a little bit about, about that. Um, uh -huh. One of the, kind of going back into the problem here, if, you, if uh, someone listening doesn't quite believe this is a problem yet, I mean, let's talk about specifically why we think it's important that one person has one vote uh -huh. in, in a pure democracy here. Yeah, I mean, I think, 
I think you see this problem growing bigger and bigger as, as we've allowed companies to have a vote. That is a vote multiplier. That means the person who it runs the company now has given themselves more than one vote. And that gives them the power to start making decisions. That, and that makes it so that when you see these issues and you say, why don't any of these issues represent me? Or why doesn't any political party represent me? It's because we've allowed people to have more than one vote. Okay, so, but I might still not get what I think I want because now if, if we do have a pure democracy and there's 50,000 people over on one side of town who think mm -hmm. that we should have a, a new um, water supply and the other, you know, 40,000 say, or 60,000, depending, say, you know what, we don't want a new power, you know, a, um, water supply. What's going to happen in those cases? Are we, is it just the fact that, well, at least we were heard? Um, uh, is it that kind of thing? Or is there still going to be contention, you think? Um, I, I think that part of the problem around these, these issues is not that people don't necessarily agree with them. I, I think it's around building a community around the issue. And when I go out and I have to sign petitions on the street, I don't have the time to learn what they are. I don't have the time to have a discussion. Then I have to sign a contract essentially with my name on it saying I agree with that petition. And even after that, I'm not brought into a community where I can engage and then be brought into sub like communities where or, that are kind of based on that, where like I could say that I agree. I don't think many people are gonna agree that we don't need clean water. So once I create a community of people who agree on that, I could start to funnel them into that community to help support that issue for you. But we don't have that possible. There's nothing that's allowing us to do that today. Right. So one argument um, against democracy is that, you know, that a lot of people just don't have the time or energy to put into being a good informed citizen, making a good informed decision. Mm -hmm. uh, does this help us get over that hurdle somewhat? Um, I don't. I. I I think that that's, I don't know that our own candidates have an informed decision. They don't even read the laws that they're passing. So I think that that's a bit of a, I think that's a stretch. I, I, I want to incentivize people to play a role in building their community. And that means paying people to vote. Um, and that is because I believe it's that important of a, of a topic. I think that once you start getting engaged in that way, you, everyone has a way that they can help to solve these problems. Everyone's a guru in something. And so we shouldn't just rely on these people who, have, who aren't skilled at solving these problems. We should be breaking this down and, and activating our community to solve the parts of their own issues that they're able to solve, and then allowing other people that are, that are an expert in a different area to solve that part. Okay, now I'm thinking about your product a little bit, because this, this now is starting to make some sense here. Uh, one thing that's happening is you want to have a lot of polls. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm assuming that this really makes sense when everybody's using it, even yeah. in a small way or in a big way, to pull on particular ideas. Uh -huh. What's your plan for encouraging more of that kind of activity? Are there certain um, kinds of people that you know are the people who set up polls and then the people who participate? Is that how it works? Um, yeah, anyone can create a poll and anyone can answer a poll, right? I think that there's a there's a top-down, bottom-up approach, right? Like we could pay as a community the questions I want answered within Apollo One Nation, I can pay and they can kind of trickle down. There's still this problem of kind of creating like this groundswell petition to get people aligned with an issue, right? I think that, but but through the foundation, we have ways for people to donate like through the, through a tax deductible ways to start getting these things out so we could start funding people to answer these polls. But in the grander scheme of things, I really think polling is the future of work. It's not, 
a small thing. It's, it's your ability to sign off on work. It depends on your ability to vote and say that that's correct. Your ability, like we have all this data that's been, I might say stolen from us. It's been, it's been taken without us really knowing. And there's a lot of data that we've never validated ourselves. My, my ability to, to answer a poll and say whether that data is true is actually really valuable. That creates my own unique digital identity and I deserve to own that. Yeah. So that, that's one of the things that uh, I was my second uh, uh-huh. point to ma- that I wanted to make for you uh, is that, uh, you know, there's a lo- collecting a lot of data here. If, if you have people saying, I want to poll in this area, and you have a, a large number of uh, citizens that say, I want to answer this poll because it, it matters to me or I'm getting paid mm-hmm. to a- just to provide an answer. Um, now you have a lot of data. So is this, a, is this really ends up being a, a widely available data repository? You can have a, an API and then uh, wide there, access to it? There's no, it, I, I believe that every person has the right to control their identity. It's self-sovereign identity. That includes control, that includes you determining who has access to that, and that includes your ability to monetize on that data when someone requests access to it. Um, and so I build identities that are portable across every uh, across every community you're a part of. They're portable and interoperable. That's critical for things like education. That's critical for healthcare. That's critical for just moving from one country to the next. It's a universal identity, and you are in control of who has access to that data. I don't believe. And so, if you want to make it accessible, then companies can pay you to access that data. Right, so and you can do that through uh, an API that you, you can build do on that, top of that. That is that is done all through the Apollo One yeah, software. Exactly. Okay. There is no API. Now yeah. that makes <laughs> well. Wh- what I mean is that is that if I want to provide a- if I want access to um, to a body of information. Oh yes, to yes. Do reporting. For Someone example. can request it from you. Yes, you're right. correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, that's, uh, that got me going. There's a whole bunch of cool <laughs> things there. Uh, we're not going to have enough time to go into all of that <laughs> detail today, but I'm excited to, to get us started down this path, Dan, mm-hmm. and um, as we explore this. So let's talk a little bit, though, about the, uh, uh, the community that you're in here. So one of the things that I find about blockchain, now having spent you know, a good 18 months really, really working with people in the space, really getting to know people here, there is a, uh, I see a, di- a difference between uh, individuals coming at it from maybe more of a corporate side and looking at it in terms of value proposition and sort of thinking of it as a tool, mm-hmm. and then other people really looking at it as um, a, a way of life, right? I mean, it's really... <laughs> decentralization is really critical and and we have to be pure and ideologically pure in this area yeah uh, my my sense is that there are uh, answers that are in between um, and it's probably that you can add a lot of value with with a with a fairly pure system but it's going to work within something that's adding value this is my sense so mm-hmm. where do you see yourself adding value um, right. with Apollo one yeah so there uh, there's two sides of this. I, I think that if we're going to allow communities to exist within our community, whether it's a company or whatnot, we'd, we should we have we should expect that they are providing some value to the community, and it doesn't have to be that mean that they're they're out solving all the problems. But we should give them a way to easily align with issues in the community where they can help use their influence as a 
as a company to solve that problem. And so that's one thing we're doing is we're surfacing issues that people can easily align with, that we can join communities together, we can allow those companies to help with that. The other part of where this comes into play is one of, in my experience, having worked at big retailers and trying to solve this problem for, for a decade, and they're still trying to solve this problem, is an omni-channel experience. And if I own my own data and I want to go walk into Banana Republic and they have an iBeacon and it signals me and it says, can we have access to your data, this specific data set, and we will give you some money. And I say yes, then all of a sudden, I've just, I've just allowed a way for them to have an omni-channel experience for them to present something to me in the store, not online, that aligns with what I want. And then I have a little bit of a credit to spend in the store. Right, right. Um, so that's, a, that's another place where you're, you're expanding the value, as it were. Yeah. Um, Let's talk, I want to go in a couple of different directions where we go a little bit deeper um, in the time that we have. So let's go first on to the, uh, the issue of the problem here, mm -hmm. right? And you're going to go up against some pretty big competitors, Yeah. right? I mean, let's, let's just talk about Facebook, for example, Yep. right? So, you know, is Facebook part of the problem here? Is that, is that, yeah. the, is this kind of in response to... Uh, a large, essentially a, a monopoly um, provider of social network. Yeah, I believe I, I believe it's understated how big of a problem Facebook has become when it comes to democracy. I, I think they they're the way that they, and I'm not saying it all happened on purpose. It just it has come to the point where this has happened with the way it's set up. Right, it happened when we became products and not not people right we sure we, they went they they had a, mo a business model right it's, it's, and they needed to monetize a pretty big investment in yeah. the social network it's a pretty valuable thing for people to connect to, to their old classmates or to other yeah. friends around the world but what you're i think pointing out is that the the negative externality that's come from that network is now too great and so maybe you can talk a little bit about why you think that yeah is. so the result of that decision is that all their decisions are now made based on what companies want not what the users want i don't have a say what happens in facebook no one's ever asked me they they make decisions and they push it top down i've been a part of that community for over a decade and i don't ha i can't easily take my data and leave it's not that simple and you can't just keep forcing rules down on me that keep restricting my freedom and keep making and then and then and then expecting me to either accept them or leave. Like that's almost what people say that in their largest communities, like the United States with them. If you don't like it, then leave. Well, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to just Where are leave. we going? Are we going to the Ukraine now? Or yeah, we, that's know, what I mean. Where are we moving to? It's not that simple. Moving to Paris? Yeah. It's no, not, I don't think so. It's not that simple. So we need, you know, an open source right. is a critical part. Like we, how can we, you know, we, he, they are sharing this data with with Russia, they're sharing it with China, they're sharing, I don't know who they're sharing it with. Well, I can't see into their system to trust that what they're doing with my data that they're capturing is actually okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just, um, I'll throw my two cents in on this one, Dan, that what that does is it creates a censorship in anyone who is thinking about it and saying, uh, there's only so much I want to have public about me. Yeah. And uh, I certainly uh, see that in my own kids who are already, you know, before they graduated from high school, had learned how to curate their social media presence, mm -hmm. right? So they have a very, very um, restricted experience uh, when it comes to the broader community. They're just not willing to share. 
Yeah, I don't know that all the data on Facebook is something you're sharing. They're they're tracking you around the whole internet. They're gathering data about you every time you go to a website. You didn't give them permission, and then they're and then they're trading and sharing that data with other people. That's mass surveillance, and it, and that ruins democracy because you can't have people spying on you and be voting because you can't vote and feel secure that you're you're not being going to be persecuted against for your vote. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's 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 in a, in a way being. Um, a response to your public expression of where you're going to vote. Because if you're voting, you can go to a polling place and you can vote with some anonymity, right? Nobody, nobody knows that it was you who put the little black marks in the in Well, the I don't know. I, that, that, uh, that also is not an open source system that I can look in and trust that that's happening. I don't know. <laughs> But I, I, I well, do know. That's fair. That's totally fair. But I do know, like, I mean, it's, it's known that this data is going to people who are in charge of those systems. Okay, so, <laughs> so let's, let's look at then, let's get back to the ideological purity of the blockchain slash crypto movement yeah. and say that, you know, if, if systems that are based on trust lose their trust, then there are options, uh, particularly through open source um, developed software systems where you can see the code and you can see what it does. You can even run the code on your own system and see how it works. Mm -hmm. um, those, in theory, could have more trust, couldn't they? Uh, yeah, again, I, I think if, if you want, you can't, when I know that someone like Zuckerberg has taken the data and shared it with all these people and has caused this big stir around data and has captured it a lot of times where I question whether I ever allowed him to capture it, I, and he's gonna sit there, if he wants to sit there and tell me that I should trust the system, I have the right to say, well, you haven't proven to me any reason I can, and the only reason you can get that back, the only way you can get it back is if I can actually see and prove to myself where my data's going. Yeah, so I, I'm with you on this. Um, what I'd like to know, uh, I'm pretty sure the people listening would like to know, yep. and I would like to know, um, why we should be trusting you uh -huh. in this situation, and let's just take the, if you might take one baby step along the way and when you do your first use case mm -hmm. and you roll this out and people are using it and let's say that you maybe even because of this conversation that we're having yep. find someone to give you enough money to get through the next few months of coding <laughs> your spec and getting this out in time for the election right yeah so if that's the case let's just hypothetically say that you were able to do that and now you have some uh some some product yep what does that product look like and why do we trust it? Yeah, so I think there's two parts to this. Part of it is trust in the people who give you the money. <laughs> uh, if it's, uh, you have to take money from people who, who people trust, otherwise they're gonna question, like that's following the money again, right? Um, the second part is I believe that if I'm, go I'm not, at, at first I don't need to, pr like, I don't need to own all your identity. Like I, I know I said about a universal identity, but I believe that if I could prove to you that I can keep the one thing private, the, the, the thing I believe is the most private and secure thing possible, if I can keep your vote private and secure for you, then I can keep any of your data secure in the future. And so if I could prove that one thing to you, then you can trust that through this system, you can have your medical records, you can have every record possible. Yeah, so let's start with let's start with one thing. Yes. Right, and it's a poll. Yes. And my my view on an issue in that poll is now captured. Yes. And I was given I had some incentive for participating in the poll. Yeah. And maybe uh, I was able to you know with the incentive I have, I can even make my own poll. 
Yes, you right? can. You can. And and the way that we are storing that information and encrypting it and making it, uh, like I have no problem making that open source so that you can see in the system and see that your data is not being tr transferred or traded with everyone. You can have clear insight into anyone that you eventually license that data to so that they can have access. So is there an underlying economics in here, like a token or something? So, uh, right, if you fund if you fund a little poll, then you, you get a certain number of tokens. And then if you, uh, if you vote in the poll, you get some you, part you, of that token. You right? get it, yes. Get token. And eventually, my belief is that your data is your money. Right, so now, you've, now I've, I've answered, I've provided data into the system, and I've been paid to do so. And now I have some tokens that I can use in the system to maybe ask my own questions, yep. right? Uh -huh. That's kind of interesting. I actually like that a lot. That's democracy bubbling up from the bottom, isn't it? Pretty cool. Yeah, and I've and the way that we have it, you know, the way we have it set up is we we we're making it so that you know companies and communities can donate in and and support this support this, but we are not making it so they have a vote. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So how do we get you funded? <laughs> Um, I, I think the the biggest part about this is, is again like I mentioned how I, I I made the mistake early on about not realizing the importance of community, which is funny because this is all about communities. Yeah. Um, but I I and I never knew what people were saying at first. So I, we were been head we were head down on focused on how are we designing this product, how are we going to build it, writing this like a white paper and everything for it. But the the main part is really getting people to go and join the community. And just just uh, just sign up to be to stay engaged, so we can start emailing them once campaigns are coming out, uh, so that they're a part of the community. And there, that establishes a community that shows that people want this product, and that's and that's pretty much enough to do that. Okay, um, so you have a community. You yes. Wanna, are you going to try uh, to crowdfund this? Um, I've considered it. Yeah, <laughs> if we could get the community large enough. <laughs> How much money do you need? Uh, I think we can launch it for uh, for under 500k, but but in order to do a token sale on this, it, the, it costs like a, another one and a half million dollars to do a reg A an A plus token sale, and so that's really sure. the biggest. That's really the biggest the biggest boundary. You can there. actually make a lot of progress before you get to that point. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think about it. You have so many uh, ways to do to get proof points along the way. Yeah, that you can do this in a, I think, a classic seed funded, like angel funded. Yeah, I think approach. we can. Again, I, I, to me, the most important part is I, I believe that I can. The money will come as as long as the community is there that wants it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, crowdfunding might not be the perfect way, but <laughs> but having the community involvement is certainly a huge value to you. Yeah, and I would like to. I would like to get people engaged, like even before this product is out, and engaged on our Reddit community so that they can start telling us what they want in the product. I, like I believe, again, that's what we're building is something where people can tell a community what they want, and I, I would like for people to, to start engaging with that, which is Apollo One Nation on on, on Reddit. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, this has been a really good uh, conversation <laughs> with uh, with you today, Dan. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Um, so, do you have anything else you want to share with me before we wrap up today? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, I, I've always had just a strong uh, desire to be in politics. Like one of my undergraduate degrees is even in politics, and I believe politicians run a lot of times on a on on a platform that says they're going to solve something, and this is actually me creating a solution in the form of a platform that one day I'm going to run on. Yeah, in, 
Right, and but you'll but you'll be facing uh, a whole bunch of other people who took your uh, who took your words to heart and decided to run on their own platform. Um, maybe, but I believe that I, I've spent years putting together this as a solution to what I believe are some of the biggest problems in in society. Uh, and the main part is giving every single person in the world a vote. So if someone else can do that and create their own platform, that's fine. I, I, this one's open source and it's going through a nonprofit. So I, I hope that people can trust this over maybe someone else who might try and do the same thing. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Dan. Yep. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be getting this out and uh, hopefully uh, someone will be listening in and saying, <laughs> We need this. Or at least we need to see. Uh, we need to see this tested. Yeah. And we have the perfect test for it, which is the 2020 election here in the United States. Yep. Great. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yep.